Welcome back to the Society Case Files podcast. My name is Robert Hazelton, and I'll be your host. Today is a pretty movie TV-centric episode. I'll be talking about The Dead Don't Die, It, Chapters 1 and 2. I'm also going to cover some Doctor Who-related stuff, but this time the radio dramas from Big Finish. I'm also going to talk a little bit about World of Warcraft and what I've been doing on there lately and the WoW Classic and how all that's going. Got a lot to talk about, so let's dive right in. Let's start by talking about the film The Dead Don't Die by Jim Jarmusch. There's a whole slew of people in this, from Bill Murray to Adam Driver to Iggy Pop, Tom Waits, Danny Glover, Steve Buscemi. The the list goes on and on and on. Tilda Swinton's in there. Have to bring her up because she's really great in this film. So when I when I went in to see this, I'd seen the preview, and I didn't really know what to expect. It looked like it was going to be funny, but I didn't realize what kind of humor they were going for until I saw it. I didn't know I had actually seen other Jim Jarmusch movies until I looked him up, and I noticed I'd seen the movie Dead Man with Johnny Depp. Uh, it's an Old West film. It's pretty strange, but I enjoyed it well enough. Then there's Ghost Dog, The Way of the Samurai with Forrest Whitaker, and that movie is real crazy, but uh, also pretty fun. Then he did the movie Only Lovers Left Alive, which I have to be honest, I kind of enjoyed, but not as much as I had hoped. It's kind of a sister movie to another film called Kiss of the Damned, which has a lot more happen in it with the very same premise. So knowing about those movies might have changed my decision to buy The Dead Don't Die rather than wait for a rental. But I'm still glad that I picked it up. It was $14.99 on iTunes, and we watched it uh, last night, and I have to say I had a lot of fun. It is a very dry movie. It's it's super low-key. The way the people act is just it's crazy. They are just so deadpan, and they deliver these lines with with almost no feeling. Oftentimes, they just seem confused and and quiet. And the few times that people get passionate, the times that people act like regular people makes them seem really strange, which I thought was probably part of the plan. It's got the, the standard zombie movie criticisms of society and the way that people act. And most of that is narrated by the lovely Tom Waits. He does a fantastic job of uh, bringing that part to life. I have to say that I really like the movie. I don't know that it's for everybody. I think that many people would find it to be a little slow and way strange. Tilda Swinton's character is pretty out of left field, and I can see people scratching their head or even being offended by it. What I can't really condone is I saw a bunch of reviews that were negative where people are like, I walked out after 15 minutes. It's like, well, then you really have no idea what happens in this movie. You can't judge it. By the very beginning, you do at least have to get halfway through before you could really give it a hard time, in my opinion. This is not a movie you can judge in the first few minutes. It's got a real slow burn. And that means that if you're not going to invest the time, you probably would have a negative opinion, but it would be very unfair. Another thing to keep in mind going into The Dead Don't Die is that uh, this is definitely a platform for some politics. There are some politics going on as far as criticizing the government and climate change and how we treat other people and all that kind of stuff. So if you really hate that sort of thing, 
then you probably want to avoid it. But in my opinion, that's what zombie movies are supposed to do, is they're supposed to shine the light on something that sucks and bring awareness to it. And honestly, that's what all of science fiction and fantasy do for the most part, is that, yeah, they're neat to have an escapist moment so that you're hanging out with elves and dwarves, but at the same time, they're supposed to convey some sort of some sort of message. I mean, that's one of the things that we liked about Marvel Comics so much, is that the characters who were the outcasts tended to get their time to shine. And the reason for their popularity comes down to the fact that they're relatable characters. Even though they're superheroes, they still have problems, and they're real-world problems. They're, I'm late to class because I was stopping a supervillain, and that's going to impact my grades, and I'm going to have trouble at home. And that's great stuff. And whenever entertainment does that, I, I applaud it, especially these days where people are telling entertainers to just be entertaining. That's not the goal of art all the time. Sure, there's frivolous pieces that are just supposed to be for fun, but then there are the pieces that challenge us. I'm not sure that The Dead Don't Die does a great job of that because it is so in your face, but it really does try, and I think it did a pretty solid job. I will also say that there is one scene that is surprisingly gory, and then the rest of the film is pretty tame in that regard. And not to give away any spoilers, but just in case you are wondering, I checked the website Does the Dog Die, and um, everything that they have on there was accurate. So if you do feel like you need to check for any anxiety triggers, uh, they are up to date, and I agreed with them. So anyway... The Dead Don't Die, I do highly recommend this movie. It was a lot of fun. I'm glad I bought it. I would watch it again. Continuing on the movie topic, I want to talk about It, chapters 1 and 2. I'm lumping them together because really I feel like they are one complete movie. They aren't separated out, even though it took them a while to put them into the theater separately. They really do need to be watched together. And to that end, we watched It Chapter 1 the night before we went to see It Chapter 2. I think the impact of the sequel was dramatically more impressive to us because of doing that. I didn't know the It story very well when I went into this. I had seen a piece of the miniseries with Tim Curry, but I never read the book. For me, Stephen King isn't really my choice for reading horror. I have read Salem's Lot, and I really liked that one, but uh, I prefer to watch his stuff in the movies, especially when they're actually good uh, films or or miniseries. They tend to be a lot of fun to translate. So one of the things with Stephen King is how similar his stories are from book to book. They're usually the small town. It's in Maine. It's got some similar characters, similar concepts, and a different terror stalking the night, which is usually representative of something else. In the case of It, it's a monster that feeds on fear, which is pretty awesome. But what's interesting about that is that I don't really feel like the two movies were all that scary, per se. Part of that comes from the music. I really felt like the composer was creating a more Goonies-style soundtrack, an adventure soundtrack, rather than the terrifying version that you might have got gotten from the guy who did The, the Conjuring, uh, as an example. I really wish they would have changed the direction of music to make it scarier. I think it would have helped 
at least give me a nightmare or two. Whereas in this, it really does, even though it has some terrifying imagery and some horrible stuff happen, I still don't feel like it was as scary as other movies in the genre, even even though those posters really try to push it. And I did hear that the It Chapter 2 poster was getting protested by some parents for giving their kids nightmares or something like that. So uh, good on them, I guess. But in any event, I really liked It Chapter 1. Um, I think the kids did a fantastic job. I thought it was brilliant to put it out in a time that Stranger Things had people clamoring for all things 1980. They even got one of the kids from Stranger Things to be a main character, which seemed a little bit strange, but also cool because he does a great job. When I went into it, Chapter 2, I was actually more excited because I prefer adults as protagonists. I'm not a big fan of children as the main characters. Uh, It's been a long time since I've been able to relate to anyone under 20. So it's a little harder for me to get involved in the story, watching their plights, especially when they are trying hard to make it look like the time I grew up. Usually I'm not impressed by how they pull it off. Uh, And this is no exception to that. Much as I enjoyed the movie, I was just not as invested with the characters as I was in it. Chapter two. Once you get into that, those characters are actually around my age, and it was a lot easier to feel for them and worry about what was happening to them. It Chapter 2 weighs in at just under three hours long, and what's interesting about that is that I still feel like it was too short. I think that they skimmed a whole lot of stuff. When I saw Return of the King in the theater, it felt like a really long trailer because of the crazy cuts to make it shorter or at least short enough for someone to feel like it belonged in a movie theater. When the director's cut version came out, I said, that was the Return of the King. That's exactly what I wanted. I think that there would be a version of it that follows the same route that I just described. In fact, I honestly think there should have been an It Chapter 3, and It Chapter 2 should have been two hours and 10 minutes long at most. And then they should have had another two hours and 10 minutes to do, to do more. There's a lot of character skimming. I just, I feel like they could have done a much better job by making it a little longer. In fact, another mini series would not have gone amiss something akin to Castle Rock, for example, that doesn't mean that it chapter two wasn't great or a lot of fun to watch or even thrilling in some aspects. It's just that I wanted more from it. And uh, I think that's funny when you've been sitting in a movie for almost three hours. So do I recommend it chapters one and two? The answer is absolutely. If you love Stephen King, if you like horror movies, if you like Goonies, that nostalgic stuff, then you really need to see both movies. I do highly recommend that you watch it chapter one sometime soon before you go see the sequel, whether it's a day or the night before, that would be best. Because I think a lot of the impact from It Chapter 2 would be lost on someone who hadn't seen the first chapter for over a year or longer. So definitely see them both as close together as possible, and I think you'd have a great time. Uh, Definitely worth the price of admission. You will not feel like you wasted your money because you are getting a very long story that flew by. What you needed was just more story, but maybe that's just because I liked it so much. All the actors did a great job. It's definitely worth seeing. So 
that is my take. Go see it, chapter two. The next thing I want to talk about is some Doctor Who stuff. That topic seems to be hot on my mind lately. Um, This time I'm going to talk about the radio dramas from Big Finish, specifically the ones with David Tennant and Billy Piper. Those are The Sword of the Chevalier, The Infamy of Zeros, and Cold Vengeance. Uh, They do a pretty solid job over at Big Finish when it comes to creating these stories and keeping them in touch with the TV show. Uh, The eighth Doctor, Paul McGann's Doctor, has an entire season on Big Finish. So he got to do a, a pretty awesome adventure, and it is the original actor. So even though he only got to do a single movie and the short, uh, he has a long uh, adventure in the Big Finish arena, which is uh, nothing to sneeze at. So let me talk about the quality. First off, they are very high-quality productions. They do a fantastic job of recording them. They have the original music. Uh, The scripts are well done. The Doctor definitely sounds like you would expect, uh, depending on who is playing him. David Tennant brings 120%. If you closed your eyes, you could imagine that you're just not watching the screen. He does that good of a job. Billy Piper brings it, but for whatever reason, she's kind of mumbly. So sometimes it's a little hard to understand what Rose is saying. And I feel like in the in the TV show, she was she was quite different than that. She was a lot more boisterous, a lot louder. And in the in the radio drama, she's a lot more subtle. But uh, regardless, they're both super fun. The ones that I've listened to, I apologize. Uh, The Sword of the Chevalier is basically the doctor takes her back to the uh, 1700s and they meet up with uh, Dayon, the gender fluid knight uh, spy character and deal with an alien threat in the infamy of Zeros there are these peaceful aliens that come to earth and start tearing it up like an alien invasion and they seem to be filming it Uh, these could fit right in with a monster of the week Doctor Who episode without any problem whatsoever I haven't listened to Cold Vengeance yet but there is a new Rose Tyler one out called the Dimension Canon these are extensive. You could probably listen to these for a month and not run out of material if you were so inclined. Uh, David Tennant has a bunch. They haven't quite got to the point where they're courting Matt Smith yet, but plenty of, of older doctors doing their voices if you're interested in that. One of the things about the writing when it comes to these big finished productions is that they really do rely heavily on some pop culture references, way more than you get in the TV show. I'm talking, they mention Ashton Kutcher, they bring up things like Starbucks. It's it's pretty rampant how often they bring up other actors or whatever to make a joke. Uh, it was a little jarring, to be honest, but once I got used to it, I kind of shrugged it off. Sometimes it was funny, sometimes it fell flat, but... It still was the Doctor. It still felt like Doctor Who despite that. So my verdict for you about Big Finish is there is absolutely no reason for you not to find your favorite Doctor, old or new, and pick up one of these productions to try for yourself. They are so inexpensive, and they're just awesome. I mean, they're absolutely worth every penny. They And they don't just have Doctor Who. They've also got Torchwood. There's a brand new Torchwood with uh, Martha Jones is back helping them out. 
They've got Dark Shadows, on and on and on. Tons of great stuff. I will include the link down below, and I highly recommend that you give them a look. They've even got one called Torchwood One that talks about the old, uh, the old organization that seemed to disappear. So, in any event, yes, I highly recommend them. I think you will not be disappointed at all. All right, let's talk about World of Warcraft. That's come up a lot lately because of WoW Classic and everybody jumping back on that bandwagon to get some nostalgia or find all the things they loved to hate, reminding themselves of the inconveniences that have been cleared up since the inception of the game. I have heard some pretty funny stories here and there. We already have a level 60. He managed to pull it off in three and a half days. I think his name was Joker D. Good on him. Pretty crazy. I can tell you that he definitely took that concept I talked about before of this being sort of like time travel where you can go back and talk to your younger self and tell you what to do better. Well, he definitely did that in WoW, apparently, because he just kicked butt. So good on him. I just, you know, I got to be honest, I played it and I didn't get very far before. I just remembered all of the things that I just didn't like doing. It was just not fun. There was a reason that I quit until the Burning Crusade came out. So instead, I've been playing the Battle for Azeroth stuff, trying to get up to level 120 with my Alliance character at first, but one of my goals when the game actually came out is when the allied races hit, like the Void Elves and all of them, I really wanted the Void Elf Heritage Armor. So I started up a monk, and those characters, um, the Void Elf starts at level 20. So my level 20 monk gets an extra 50% experience bonus uh, as long as I do my little Zen pilgrimage and take care of my daily quest. And I started doing dungeons as a tank, and and I did Skyrocket pretty fast. I got up to level 60 back then before I found something else to do. So I jumped back in, and I got my character up to the mid-70s, and then I found out that other races had heritage armor now, and that included the Blood Elves. Furthermore, I really wanted to get the class mount for the rogue because it's an awesome looking crow. It reminds me of Jeremy from The Secret of Nim. So now I've got a dilemma because I really want to get the Blood Elf Heritage Armor and I want the rogue thing, but I've already got a high level alliance rogue who consequently was a Blood Elf until all of my friends quit playing Horde and moved to the alliance side. So I take a look around, and we play on a different server to play for the Horde, and I actually had a level 37 Rogue that I had played through uh, Battlegrounds primarily to get to that level. So I decided, okay, I'm going to jump on that character, and I will try and get to level 120 with them as a Rogue. That way I can get both the Heritage Armor and the Rogue Mount. So if you get the Rogue Mount on one character, it works for all your Rogues. So that means that I can kill two birds with one stone. The trick, of course, is that I was only level 37. So first thing I did was I checked into the boost. For some reason, I thought the boost was like $29.99 to get a uh, 110 boost. No, it's uh, it's 60 bucks. So I set out to level up myself and, and just do it and kill some other birds along the way. Man, I'm sending like an avian murderer but in any event i decided to take care of uh, some of the zones that i had never done before and honestly i leveled so fast i only got one of them done before i was moving on to the next world so from level 37 to 93 took me about six days 
It's insane. I can't play it that much because I'm I'm working. I've got books that I'm writing. I'm doing all kinds of stuff. But still, even so, I uh, really kicked it through these levels. So here I am now. I'm at level 93. I've just got to get to level 120 to do the quest for the heritage armor. And then I will unlock that. And then the next step after the heritage armor, of course, will be getting that rogue mount. Uh, this time, I think I'm going to try and get Pathfinder as well. I mean, that stuff is crazy. You, it allows you to fly in the different worlds. I've looked it over. At first, it, it sounded daunting, and then I really studied it. I figure you can do it. It's just going to take some time. So uh, the bottom line is, regardless of all this other stuff, I'm having a blast with it. I'm having a lot of fun. I have heard people complain about the grind and all this stuff, and I just don't know what people expect anymore from their gaming. Uh, I hear it get called out on Destiny 2 all the time. It's just a grind. Well, I mean, it's a shoot-and-loot game. I mean, that's kind of what you do is you grind for the loot you want, and the, the, the stuff that you want to transmog, you go out and find that as well, and you farm gear and items and resources... So I just, I don't know what people expect and why they're criticizing something for being what it is. I think that here on the uh, verge of Borderlands 3 coming out, we're about to get another dramatically uh, grindy game that is going to be uh, taking a lot of time to find whatever piece of gear you want. I mean, they they claim billions of guns. I mean, imagine trying to get the exact one you want in that group. Uh, speaking of Borderlands 3, it's a great segue. Um, I was not planning on buying the game. I'm kind of tired of the way Borderlands games work. I don't like having the set number of characters, and they just they, they feel very limiting for a, a shoot-and-loot game. Most of the time when I'm doing a shoot-and-loot game, I want to have made my own character and have a lot more control over how my character is going to play. But with this... If you're a siren, you have a set uh, path of powers. Now, in Borderlands 3 Defense, I looked into it today, and the power trees are incredible. You have a lot more uh, flexibility than you ever have in a previous game. And provided that they didn't follow the path of the pre-sequel, where there was so much backtracking, where you would get a quest from a guy, he'd be like, go over to this other place and grab stuff for me, and you go off and do it, and you run all the way back and give it to him. He's like, hey, fantastic. Now head back there and get me this thing. And that happened way too many times for me to give that one a favorable review. Looking at it, though, I have to say it looks pretty fun. Uh, It's interstellar now. Supposedly there's more planets. I just saw a uh, Let's Play thing where the guy basically said you, you do your first 10 levels on Pandora, and then you move on from there. So that could be pretty good. Uh, you know, as as against it as I was, I am starting to cave a little bit. So, I don't know. I'm really curious how other people feel about it and how many people are going to jump on board. The next game that I have to talk about is Ghost Recon Breakthrough. That is on the verge of dropping. I just uh, did the uh, subscription service to Uplay Plus that I talked about a few episodes back. Uh, I got the first month for free, and there's actually a story to that which I'll get to in just a moment. But Breakthrough had a uh, beta version. I downloaded it and I gave it a try. It is a lot like Wildlands, 
but they added some more mechanics and some visible mechanics to help you with things like your endurance. Now you can actually see a bar go down to nothing when you do sprinting, whereas in Wildlands, you just sprint until your character stopped running and you just heard them panting. I'm not sure how I feel about it. I kind of preferred not having the bar, and I'm sure that you can turn it off. I didn't try. I didn't seek that out. Uh, it's also a slower-paced game. You can take dudes down real quick, but they can take you out pretty fast too. So uh, it's not quite the bullet sponging on your behalf as it was in Wildlands. I didn't really feel as much like a total badass right off the bat like I did in Wildlands. Uh, the leveling is a little bit more obvious. The characters have, uh, the, the NPCs have levels over their head, that sort of thing. Uh, I am going to be playing it because I am subscribed to Uplay Plus and it's included, but I would not have spent $59.99 on it. I got to say, much as I got out of Wildlands and I got a lot out of it, I don't think I will get as much out of Breakthrough. And that's just kind of sad. So let me talk about that Uplay Plus thing that happened. It's a quick antidote. So I go to get my free month. Uh, it's it's more just till the end of this month that it's free. And I put in all my information. And it says, well, we're going to charge you a dollar, and you'll get it right back. It's just to verify that you aren't lying about a credit card or whatever the case may be. So there's a bug on the screen when you go to pay, and it says you will be getting... You play plus for $1 a month. And then it actually says you will get this for $12 a year. And then you pay for it and move on with your day. So I checked into it. And of course I was right. They did not intend for you to get it for a dollar a month. Uh, in fact, the price is going to be $14.99 a month. And so I wrote to you play and I said, Hey guys, uh, that's kind of crazy. You know, people are complaining and I mean, you guys have a reputation for this kind of stuff, so maybe you don't care, but maybe you want to fix that web page. Seems like it'd be an easy fix. So anyway, they wrote me back and they're like, nah, it's not a dollar, it's fourteen ninety nine, And that was it. End of story. So I go on a chat with them and I said, no, 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 I'm not talking about the fact that I think I deserve it for a dollar. I'm saying that you guys are advertising it as $1 a month for a year. And I send them a screenshot. Guy's like, oh yeah, we know that's broken. It's not true. Sorry about that. It's like, wow. They tell their help desk to just be like, yep, we know. Sorry. Our bad. Rather than go into the web page and fix it. That. That's Ubi right there. And many of the comments I saw gave them a hard time as a result of that. So it is kind of funny, but I really wish that they had the peace of mind and, and care for their customers and heck, even... Uh, some of these EU folks are saying, that would be fraud here. We would totally be bringing them up on charges or whatever they would do. Probably nothing. But in any event, it is just, uh, it's it reminds you of uh, Assassin's Creed Unity when that game was just the buggiest thing they probably ever re released. So good on them. Anyway, so Ghost Recon Breakthrough, I recommend it if you can get Uplay Plus. Uh, you can only get that on the PC, unfortunately, so there is no trying it out for $15 on the Xbox or the PlayStation. Maybe they will add it to Game Pass. That would be pretty cool. But um, all around, I just, I'm not sure about these single-player games. I'm having a hard time getting into single-player games right now, to be honest. Um, I really couldn't 
play too much of Rebel Galaxy Outlaw, and that was nothing against the game. I just, I, I feel like I need more perpetual control over my character. And that, that probably sounds weird. I, I just, I need things like Destiny or WoW or whatever the case may be. I just need to be progressing a character that, that isn't just a single-player game. It's been so long since I've really enjoyed a single-player game. Uh, probably the last one that I really dove into and, and just couldn't put down was Assassin's Creed Odyssey. And after that, it's been pretty much all online for me for the most part, uh, with the notable exception being Cultist Simulator, which just devoured me like Cthulhu himself would. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of great-looking games. I almost bought Ancestors. I just couldn't bring myself to do it. Uh, that didn't get the best reviews, and some of the people said it got pretty repetitive, and all you did was just kind of roam around and do random stuff over and over again. I really wanted to try Control. I just couldn't bring myself to spend 60 bucks on it. I, I don't know. I need I need something different than those games were providing. Now, that said, I'm really glad to see single-player games still coming out because I was really at a point not too long ago where I just got tired of every game being all online all the time in you know, multiplayer only blah 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 it's like come on guys could you just put something out with a cool story and they did and then i'm like oh well now i don't care now i just want to shoot and loot or level up my rogue or whatever anyway i'm obviously fickle and fortunately there are still games for me and so i can't complain too much but I really don't know what it's going to take to switch gears back to getting into those single-player games and really love them again like I did a long time ago. Uh, you know, I think that part of it comes down to dropping like a 100 and some hours into Skyrim and just having nothing to show for it. And you're probably laughing at the idea of having anything to show for it in, say, Destiny, since I have over a 1,000 hours in that. But it does feel like I've got something at the end of that, that I've built up this character that is perpetual, that more material is coming out by the developers. It's not all mods. It's not all player created. And I don't know. I think that makes it feel more like a hobby than the single player games do. And uh, I don't know if that makes sense, but that's, that's just how I'm feeling about it and where I'm at with my gaming these days. So... Anyway, uh, if you have other ideas about single-player games and multiplayer games and how you approach them, I would absolutely love to hear about it. Feel free to leave a comment, drop me an email, uh, visit the website, and I'd love to talk about that more and just sort of get an idea of uh, my fingers on the pulse of what other gamers are doing these days with their time and how they feel about spending you know, 67 hour, 60 to 70 hours on a game that when they're done, they'll just be done with it. Then they won't really go back. Anyway, so that's where my mind is with video games these days. All right, that's it for this week. Thank you very much for listening to the show. I appreciate you stopping by. If you liked what you heard and you want to hear more, be sure to check out our website and keep track of the schedule. You can find us at www. Dot societycasefiles.com or www.roberthazelton.com Don't forget to follow or support the project at ko-fi.com slash 
Society Case Files. Thanks again for being here, and I look forward to talking to you next week. Bye now.